On today's episode, we are going through and we are going to do some running back buy sell since the offseason is boring, but less than 100 days till football. So we're getting there. I'm Avery Huffman. I'm here with Nathan Schmidt. How's it going? And Simon Denning. What's up? Welcome to Dynasty Domain. All right, let's jump into things. Uh, we're going to do our trade scenario of the week, and our trade scenario of the week comes from Twitter. Simon, you have it pulled up for us? Sure. I got you. Um, so in this week's trade, we have Team 1 getting Deshaun Watson, whatever you think of him, and Mike Evans. We're talking about Deshaun again. Mm-hmm. And Team 2 is getting Aaron Rodgers and T. Higgins. So what do we think? Well, let's start off with... Uh, well, I guess the reason why we're even having a Deshaun trade again for the second week in a row, and this is because of the news that came out this week of uh, 44 additional sure. potential cases, basically, and the fact that Houston may have been involved. Uh, again, we don't want to get into that much, but obviously this is a huge hit to his dynasty value once again. Yeah. So um, sure. this, this has... Th- this this has resulted in some quite interesting takes in the dynasty community. I would say when it comes to where Deshaun Watson should be valued in terms of startups, in terms of draft capital, in terms of quarterback rankings, and what should you be trading him away for? Should you be buying him? Should you be selling him? Should you be holding him? Um, for me personally, heck, I would have been looking to even accept this trade before all this stuff came up within the last week, I probably still would have taken the Deshaun side may actually maybe, but like T Higgins alone and, and, and Aaron Rodgers like that, especially now based on where we have dropped uh, Deshaun Watson to that is, that is a smash accept in my opinion. So Avery, what do you think? Yeah. Um, so yeah, we're not going to get too deep into this, but last week when we talked about Deshaun Watson, um, not a lot had changed. Tuesday, That I think there actually something did happen that changed. Obviously, the New York there Times... Two additional cases. Yeah, the, yeah, there were two additional cases, and the New York Times came out with a report that basically said there were like 66 women over a course of like, I don't remember how 17 many... 17 months. months. It was bad because, and you know, I think at this point, and like I said, not to speculate, and we're not a political show by any means, but you do have to look at this as a fantasy owner, and and you do have to at least acknowledge that this is like predatory Sick. at this point. I mean, it's it's... It's definitely not something that you can just ignore now. Um, no, it's got me sobbing it, and rocking. <laughs> Shut up. He's reading my shirt. Yeah, whatever. Um, so, so, like I said, and I, and I'm just I'm just throwing this out there with our culture today. I mean, Deshaun Watson is. I mean, there are lots of calls for his head at this point. There are lots of calls for Goodell not to let him play. I mean, and the public pressure is going to mount. I think the NFL is going to have no choice there. I don't think there's any way he plays this year. But I mean, what are what are the odds he gets canceled altogether? I mean, I, at this point, I think it's a realistic possibility. So I think his with his future being as murky as it is, I think it's hard to look at Deshaun Watson and say that his value is anywhere near where it was even two weeks ago. Yes, Deshaun Watson was worth three to four first two weeks ago. Yeah, he absolutely was, and I will. I will say before all of this happened, I would take the Deshaun side of this trade. Yeah, yeah, I didn't I, agree I, with that. I, I, I yeah, definitely. No, I would, but it's close. I, I said I'd not take the really. Deshaun side, but I would take it. Every, T. Higgins I, versus Mike Evans is pretty drastic, in my opinion. Anyways, I would take it. I would take that all day. But now, it's to me, if you're a contender, 
you know, you don't really want Deshaun because he's not going to he's not he's not playing this year. And he might not play the year after. Uh if you are rebuilding, are you really gonna stake your rebuild on Deshaun Watson? I it's not a he's just not a great asset to have. And you do have to understand, I mean, keep trade cut sucks, but keep trade cut does give you a good gauge on how players are being valued among even fantasy casuals. Go over to Keep Trade Cut. I just go do it. Go to Keep Trade Cut and look at Deshaun Watson's value. It's not. I'm not saying it's right. I'm not saying Keep Trade Cut is accurate. It's not, but it will give you a good idea of how much his value has fallen in the last two weeks. So if you think that trades like this are are that lopsided, or even that you know people who getting are getting rid of Deshaun, me being one of them, are giving him away at an eighty percent discount, you're just wrong. You're just wrong. If you think you're going to get that value, that three first val- three or four first value out of Deshaun Watson right now, you're going to hold on to the end, and you're either going to crash with the plane, or you're going to eventually come out of the trees, and three years later, maybe you'll have a flying chance if Deshaun can come back after all that time away, after all the on-the-field issues, and actually produce again. It just doesn't look great. What do you think? No. Yeah, I'm not with this. And and let's break our break out our little um, team building tool that we offer as the Dynasty Domain, and that's our brains. <laughs> and um, if we're contending, Deshaun Watson is going to give you approximately um, from zero, at, at least zero to Correct. zero points somewhere in there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, zero. <laughs> so if you're contending, yeah, I'll say zero. That's pushing it, man. I was yeah. thinking more like one or like zero. No, probably. I think more in the zero range. Yeah. All right. Um, you do you. So for this year, Deshaun Watson is going to give you, like we just covered, at least zero points. Correct. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and Mike Evans is is Mike Evans. He'll he'll be probably a wide receiver one he, this year. He's playing with Brady. Yeah. Sure. Exactly. Um, but why are you trading Aaron Rodgers, who's going to infinitely and I, yes, infinitely. Do the math. Infinitely outproduced Deshaun Watson this year. Because one yes, is infinitely he's, he's, more than zero. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, yes, he's 12 years older than him, 12, 13 years older than him. But who cares because he's going to put up points, he, and that's that's better than zero. He was MVP last year. Yes. Um, so right there, if we're if we're contending, we're easily taking Deshaun, uh, Aaron Rodgers over Deshaun. T. Higgins and Mike Evans might not that be that far off this year at all. And one of them is five years younger. And that would be T. Higgins. So this isn't really close. In, in a contending team, it does not make sense at all to me to trade for Deshaun Watson and Mike Evans because T. Higgins is going to produce as much as Mike Evans. And a rebuild? Okay, yes, you're getting rid of Aaron Rodgers and getting Deshaun Watson. I could see someone doing that. And a rebuild? Why are you giving away T. Higgins and taking Mike Evans instead? Yeah, no. this isn't. I think people are just doing trades like this because they think, I'm getting a steal on Deshaun. I've got news for you. You're not. You're not. You're getting a steal when you think you're getting somebody well under what they're actually worth. Deshaun Watson, his value, what he is worth is declining. It has declined, and if you are thinking about selling now, you're probably a little bit too late to get what you maybe could have before out of him. Yeah. Even when the news first broke. Yep. And I I think a lot of the security that people still uh, maybe have in Deshaun Watson is the five years, two hundred and thirty million guaranteed. But remember, it's the Browns. We've got to touch on this. The the Browns 
are legally able to void that contract yep. if, if more things like this came up. And guess what? 44 more of them just came up. So After it, two years. After so he's going to get his guaranteed money through 2023, and then after that, it's fair game. That is how the contract yeah. language is written, I yeah. believe. And it's uh, just, this is not looking good. Like, the Browns, who thought they were confident in Deshaun Watson after all this coming out, like, they are they're looking hard into this and they're considering what worst case scenario may be, which is him not playing for the Cleveland Browns. Yep. So they could void his guarantees. That, that and is, then yeah, that is a major reason. We're, we're not just doing this or, or dropping him in our rankings significantly because we think he's not going to play, but this is like, this is the real deal. This is happening in, in Cleveland right now. And they're, they're dealing with this, looking into this and, it's enough to make us drop him significantly. So please don't don't lie to yourself like this doesn't affect his value that much, but or because it does. So yeah, and and just a final note on this. And when we talk about moving him down, I think before we had him at five uh, overall behind Mahomes, Allen, Herbert, and Jackson, and then it was Watson. Uh, Deshaun Watson in our rankings has fallen to the thirteenth ranked quarterback. Um, Nathan and I have him ranked thirteenth, and Simon has him ranked. 14th and obviously we're not saying you know we're not ranking these guys on the best who's the best who's going to score the most when they're on the field this is this is value to your fantasy team right now and it's just for us it's hard to see how Deshaun Watson is adding more value to your fantasy team than guys like the young rookies like Lawrence and and Lance or uh, well sophomores and then you know guys veterans like Wilson, Stafford, and Rodgers. So, so that's you know. pretty much a 180 degree turn from where we were even just a week ago, where we had him at QB four, and we had him valued even a bit higher than most people did. And I don't think any of us would really apologize for that because the circumstances have, that have come up were out of anyone's control, and that has nothing really to do with where we placed him before. I think if this hadn't come up, he wouldn't have budged at all. Sure. Be- because his upside is significantly higher than anyone else's. The reason we don't have him outside of the top 20 is still because of his athletic ability and potential to eventually return to the NFL and play. Um, He's a top five scoring quarterback. He, yeah. plays. Yep. But I mean, when's he going to play? That's just the question. So yep. yeah, well um, let's, we'll wrap that one up that but and again, one to monitor, but I just don't, I don't see, I don't see that one ending. Well, um, Let's get into our topic for today. So uh, right. we're going to go through and we are going to use the Dynasty Domain CRBST, which is uh, the Dynasty Domain cross-referenced by Cell Tool, a tool that we created, an algorithm that we came up with uh, that puts our ranking against other rankings and other popular uh, ADP data and spits out a number which gives you a buy-sell rating and will tell you whether you should be buying or selling a prospect. So what we're going to do is we're going to go down the list of our uh, players on the CRBST. We have a lot of running backs here. We won't cover all of them, but we're just going to basically go through and highlight the big ones for you. Who are we buying? Who are we selling according to the model? Sometimes we disagree with the model, honestly, but um, but most of the time it's spot on. And, and you're going to see in this case, we wholeheartedly agree with a lot of these. So uh, it should make for an interesting discussion. And let's get right into it. So uh, looking down the list, the first five guys that we have ranked as running backs, Jonathan Taylor, DeAndre Swift, Najee Harris, Javante Williams, Christian McCaffrey. They are essentially right on the nose of where we are ranking them versus where they're going in drafts versus where they're going uh, in other rankings. So uh, not a lot to talk about there. The first guy that we have to talk about 
and this is where it gets hairy if you know anything about ranking running backs in this range. The first guy is a hard buy. And this is a guy that Simon Denny Domain, who is one of the three of us excellent individuals, has actually written a whole article on. Wait, say that again. Simon Denny Domain, who is one of these three excellent individuals. There you go. Yeah. Highlighting excellent. Yes. He just, he loved hearing that. You want me to say it again? No, No, it's okay. Please don't. Um, So... He wrote an article, and a very convincing article that lays out some very good statistical analysis on why J.K. Dobbins is such a big buy in, in Dynasty right now and why he is primed for such a productive season in what really will be probably his breakout year if all goes well. So, Simon, why don't you go ahead and take the reins on this one? Well, um, first, I did, like you said, I wrote an article on this, and it is published on our Locals account, which you can sign up for. It's three bucks a month, right? That's and cheap. all three of us, yeah, all three of us write these articles. Um, we pick a different player every week, and we'll write um, statistical analysis or even film and explain why we do or do not like them at cost, what we think is going to happen over their future, etc. Yeah, this we- article I wrote on J.K. Dobbins, and um, essentially it is a statistical um analysis over his season in 2020 and how dominant he was as that rookie playing 46.9% of the snaps in Baltimore which last year in 2021 was third in the league in in rush attempts per game and um Nathan you you talk a lot about how you think you could see the running backs in Baltimore having an even higher share of the rushes because of Lamar so you know, when we talk about our QB rankings, that's something you always talk about. So you want to explain that and how you think it could affect his workload? Yeah, Dobbins, I think, uh, a lot of people, when they see Dobbins, they see RB2 because the clear RB1, quote-unquote, is Lamar Jackson, um, which I will say this somewhat sarcastically, that's valid, but not really. Uh, <laughs> Lamar Jackson is a great quarterback. Lamar Jackson just had in fantasy football his his worst season last year because he was dealing with injury and I don't really see a a realistic future for Lamar Jackson where they just continually put him in harm's way like he has been over the years he every single year has improved in the passing game and we've seen him thrive with Mark Andrews we've seen Mark Andrews thrive with him um, Marquise Brown just left. That was a big hit, but we've got, I mean, a, a rookie, uh, who's pretty undervalued in our opinion and Rashad Bateman. Lamar is so much more than just a runner. He is in our opinion, a good passing quarterback in the NFL who is elite and a reigning NFL MVP. Um, JK Dobbins with him being back that is so huge for the Baltimore Ravens offense. They're going to have to rely on Lamar even less because they're going to have Dobbins in the backfield. And not, not only that, you're, you're going to have – because I would, we would all anticipate that Lamar is still going to run the ball. Yeah, he's, because that's he, his skill put, set. Put the ball in the playmaker's hands. He can still run the ball. I sure hope he but runs the ball. The, the defense – defenses, like, like they're going to be all over him. Yeah. Now you have Dobbins in the backfield. Who are you going to cover? You can't cover both of them. Lamar is too shifty and all over the place. You've seen him run in the backfield and literally elude like all 11 <laughs> defenders on the field. 
And you think Dobbins is just going to do nothing? No, 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 no. This is going to maximize his play. This is going to maximize his production. I honestly don't... Simon can walk can walk you through this a little bit more when it comes to the projected uh, share that he's going to get um, when it comes to carries, but I don't even really care about the carries. Like, I more really care about what he's going to do with the 15 carries he gets a game, probably. he He's going to do a dang yeah. lot with it. And Avery, last year, the Ravens had... Who who were their running backs? Devonta Freeman. Who was the other one? Uh, the guy it's Tyson Williams. Latavius Murray, right? Yes. Yeah. Oh, Not, and Le'Veon Bell for yeah. a game or two. And the guy um, that signed with the Colts, right? What was his name? Crud. I don't I, know. I don't know. It was it was a bad you a bad no batch bueno. and not in a good way, not the Star Wars bad batch. Nice stuff. Uh, because they sure. were pretty elite. They were pretty cool. But you know we're talking about J.K. Dobbins in 2020 in his rookie year being top five in yards per touch, juke rate, breakaway runs, and he was also number one in true yards per carry, which is which is one of those things that we're like. He's just dominant. Every time he was touching the ball, he was getting over six yards, six point one yards. That was third in the league, and and he did this all on a thirty uh, snap share that was thirty first in the league, so forty six point nine percent. So when we see that go up to sixty percent, and he and he gets those, the Ravens last year had just over thirty runs per game, thirty rushes per game. If Dobbins can get half of those fifteen, with with do the math fifteen carries per game times 17 games if he stays healthy times six yards per carry just just not even his touchdown rate don't even throw any of that in if you want to steal that you can you can read the the article that i've written he could be absolutely dominant next year and that's without his receiving upside which we expect to improve yeah 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 and uh shout out to mason here we listened to him on youtube he has a pretty big following but he mentioned that (laughs) last season the Ravens literally ran the ball 57% of the time. 57% of the time. Yeah. And, and that was with a committee backfield with yeah, uh, like Garbo running backs and Tyler Huntley playing for a lot of the season at the end. And that's part of what makes the Ravens offense so dangerous. And that's what made them dangerous when Lamar was playing at his best is, is exactly what you were talking about. Uh, his ability to um, stretch the field with his legs – it really opens up opportunities for whoever's in the backfield there. So I, th- I think you you kind of hit the nail on the head here. You know, I think there will be more opportunity for J.K. this year. And you know he's the prospect, the elite prospect that you want in the backfield. If he's getting the touches, if he's on an elite offense, which we expect Baltimore to be with the weapons that they have, I don't see a reason for him to be going 12 to 15 and or running back 12 to 15 in startups. I mean, we have him ranked six here for a reason. Um, just don't be surprised when JK Dobbins comes out and, and, and produces a top at 10 a very high back. level. Yeah, yeah. Even, yep. even off of his ACL tear. And uh, I don't know. What do you think about his ACL tear, Avery? Um, yeah, I mean, I think if this were an Achilles, you're a little bit more worried because Achilles are the ones, especially with running backs, um, you're going to lose some explosiveness there. But with ACLs, I mean... <sighs> The thing, the thing about it is, and I am not a doctor, but ACLs are happening 
as much as they used to, and players are coming back a lot better and a lot stronger than they used to after tearing their ACL previously. Even running backs. Even Look running at backs. AP, Jamal yes. Charles, yes. just in the last 10 years. It's the, the fact of the matter is the sports medicine has increased at a rate that I think players with torn ACLs are able to take advantage of that and return quicker and in some cases return stronger or at least return to normal form. And I think that's something that's, it's not, I don't think that's going to be a career defining injury for almost any NFL player uh, unless they repeatedly tear the same ACL or tear both of their ACLs. So in this case for Dobbins, I think it's something he'll bounce back from. I think it's something you probably shouldn't be worried about. Um, and I mean, you've seen it with Robert Woods already, already back at practice. You, uh, Chris Godwin will be back this season and I'm sure he'll return to form and ACL is not something I'm worried about. So, and, and so obviously we have him at six for a reason. We're high on JK. You probably should be too. I got JK Dobbins straight up pretty much for ETN not too long ago. And I value ETN, uh, according to our rankings, a whole lot. I mean like 11 spot, 10 spots higher. So, yeah. so no reason he shouldn't be in the top 12 and KTC has him at 12 and ADP has him at 13, yeah. there, which is no crazy excuse for that because I could, I easily see a world where he finishes top 10 as a running back next year, hands down. And that's with Absolutely. me expecting him to have a little bit of a lighter workload workload at the beginning of the season. If he goes out and gets 18 to 20 carries a game, which in, in Baltimore is so reasonable, especially without receiving with, core. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, let's let's move down the list a little bit here. Um, the next guy we have is is somebody who's kind of moved up our rankings within the last couple of weeks, and and mainly uh, as part of my crusade to personally get him back into this conversation, and that is Saquon Barkley, who we have at number seven. Um, some guys that we're putting him above that you might not put him above include guys like Joe Mixon, Austin Eckler, and Brees Hall. Uh, I'm personally. I'm taking Saquon here. Uh, can you imagine, and, and this this was presented to me the other day, I think it was a very, very good question, and it was very thought-provoking. Can you imagine what Saquon's, Saquon Barkley's ADP would be right now if he hadn't stepped on that guy's foot on that freak in that freak accident? I mean, because that he was, at times... That was bizarre. ...productive in an offense last season that was horrible. We sat here and yelled at Jason Garrett. Because he was such a bad offensive coordinator last year. Yeah, I mean, it, we sat yeah. here and yelled at I mean, He it got was fired atrocious. the next day. Like, it, was, you, it was horrible. Yeah. Their offense had no rhythm. The play calling was horrific. They had very little weapons. They had zero to no offensive line. Zero to no. That's funny. That's like zero to zero points. Not to mention, it's the Giants. I, I mean, for him to have been productive at all last year is impressive. But I'm telling you, if he doesn't step on that guy's foot, he's probably having more of a productive season last year, and his ADP is probably hanging out in the Christian McCaffrey range. Honestly, I, I just I don't see it really with Saquon Barkley. He's not generated as a hard buy in our system, but I do still think he's a hard buy because I'm looking at where he's going in startup drafts, and I'm really confused here because, honestly, talent-wise... You're talking about the most talented prospect, the most heralded prospect out of college you've ever seen from a running back. Yeah, right. And he showed it. He showed it straight out of straight out of college. You're talking about a guy that's gonna, that's gonna come back healthy, that's not that old, that still could have that really productive window, that's gonna be playing on at least an improved team with a new offensive system. Yeah, anything's better than last year. 
it's 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 definitely in the cards for Saquon to have an ultra productive season again. Not saying he's going to be RB one. He's not going to be. But if you're telling me that Saquon Barkley is going to put together two or three more top ten finishes, I might say I definitely think that's possible. Yeah, and, he has all the tools. And honestly, if he stays healthy, I would go as far as saying that it's likely. I I do think, and obviously beyond that would be a little bit of a stretch with him already being 25 years old. 25, right? Yes. Yeah, with him already being 25 years old. But at the same time, I do think it's worth worth mentioning because some people are shorting him, and just don't forget how talented Saquon Barkley is. And you know, and and with Daniel Jones returning this year to quarterback the New York Giants. I don't think you're going to see a whole lot of volume in the passing game. Uh, and like I said, the weapons, they're not there. They, they thought they were. They're not panning out. Look for him to get a lot of carries this year. He did split some carries last year. Um, I, I would expect him to get the majority of the carries this year, especially if he stays healthy. So, uh, Moving down the list, the next guy that stands out, um, kind of in the next tier after Mixon and Eckler, is Brees Hall. And this is going to be a polarizing one. So. Oh, yeah. We've talked about Brees a little bit in this pod. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just want to say one thing. So when you're talking about having Saquon Barkley ranked over Brees Hall, right? That doesn't mean either of you or in, any of us, I think all three of us have him over him. That doesn't mean any of us are going to go in a in a dynasty startup draft <laughs> and take Saquon in the second round where Brees Hall is going, right? We're just saying when it comes down to it and we think – he's the better player and honestly it can have a better long-term outcome and he's just being undervalued right Right. because Barkley in the future could end up going where Brees Hall is going and Brees Hall could end up dropping and going where Barkley is going right now I mean I would go as far as our prediction basically I would take Barkley over Hall in in a startup draft you wouldn't draft Saquon in in the not in the second round mid-second at value because that's that's happening but since I do have Saquon Barkley ranked over Brees Hall that is tech I mean I'm technically saying that I would take Saquon I mean yeah, yeah. I, I can yeah, explain yeah. why. If we yes. all valued in the yeah, same way, sure. if you, if the three of us did a startup draft ourselves, yes, this is the order in which we would be drafting the running backs. And, and it kind of presents itself in a weird way because we'll be in um we'll be in a draft and we're like, okay, I don't want to take this person here, but I think I can take the guy that I have ranked five spots lower right here where his ADP is, and then wait and get the guy that I actually want and have ranked higher next round. Yep. And, it, yeah. and it works that way a lot of the times. And that's why, honestly, as listeners, I think it would be helpful for you as Dynasty players to go and, and maybe do your own rankings because it might help you in startups so that you don't get to the end of a startup draft and say, what what did I do? Because you know, you know, you can kind of plan ahead and it doesn't always show out that way. But I think none of us, in, even in a trade, would you go and trade... Brees Hall, one for one with Saquon Barkley. I think we're all saying, no, we can get more based on the market value. And that's why we still endorse things like keep trade cut. Sure. Because you can know what you're getting. Use it to your your advantage. Don't use it to... Use it to your advantage when you're trading with other players. Don't use it to your advantage to get the better side of trades for your team because you're probably getting inaccurate data there. And and like I said, this is going to be a polarizing one and we won't spend a whole lot of time on this. But I can explain my, my take on Brees Hall... I just I remember you know we started talking about the rookies probably December January is when we started actually thinking about it and like we got in the playoffs like okay you know fantasy playoffs are ending let's think about rookies a little bit the first thing I remember you know at the time is we're talking the discussion that we're having because we are just excellent prospect analysis guys the conversation that the dynasty Scouts. community is having thanks. 
<laughs> yeah, I couldn't think of that. Analysis guys. We are the analysis. I like that. We are Dynasty Domain analysis like guys. Yeah, shut up. All right. Yeah, we're getting the, t-shirts that say right. prospect analysis guys. I, I, I'm clearly not sharp tonight, so I'm going to lose my place. The conversation we're having in the winter is who's the RB1 in this class? Right. Brees uh, Hall. Many names being thrown around. Or Isaiah Spiller. Isaiah Spiller. So, so the same, the same dynasty community that was having the debate over Brees Hall or Isaiah Spiller, which we know now is clearly not any close debate. But you all said that you're listening to this. Odds are you were having this discussion. I watched the film and I said, you know what? I don't like Isaiah Spiller's film. I think Brees Hall is the better running back. I think he's the RB one in this class. And everybody kind of agreed. And so we kind of moved away from Isaiah Spiller. But the problem was, and I think, and you can say this is not true. You can say that I'm a head case, whatever. But the dynasty community gets bored sometimes. If you're wondering why there are people out there making really, really stupid trades, part of the reason is because they're bored right now. A lot of times, dynasty is a way to cope when you don't have football. And I think this is a very clear example of that because I think this class was so bad was so terrible that us as a dynasty community, we sat there and we stewed and we stewed and we stewed. And and the more we thought about it, the more we thought, man, you know what? Brees Hall's the guy. When in reality, not a lot changed. His film didn't change. His college results didn't change. His combine numbers were good, but they weren't incredible. For, For Brees Hall to go from your normal... RB1, a good RB prospect, to the best RB prospect anybody's ever seen in a matter of two months when nothing changed. Nothing changed. What cha- Seriously, what changed? Go. Okay, I know we, we talk quite often about the combine, but that, that's what changed it. And, and no, 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 time out, time out. That happened before the combine. What? Brees Hall was being piped up like this before the combine happened. This was before, yeah, this but before he wasn't being ranked he wasn't, this high. He was not the, the one hundred one. He was moving up to the one hundred three and one hundred four range. Yeah, everyone was saying, um, well, uh, Traylon Burks, and then yeah, and then Garrett Wilson, Drake London. Yep, but oh, Malik Willis one hundred. Yeah. say to be fair, he technically wasn't going consensus one hundred one until after until the, the combine, because before the draft oh, yeah, we were still Malik saying Willis. Malik Willis. Yeah, and we're stupid for that too. But the problem is, we're not going out there and trying to rank Brees Hall as RB five. We don't know. Again, you, you had to factor that in. I mean, okay, when Saquon came into the NFL, it, it was a it was a big deal, right? We're, we were just talking about Saquon. Saquon went what what draft pick was it? One hundred two in twenty eighteen. He, he was second overall. Yeah, second okay. overall. He, I think. he literally went a full round ahead of Brees Hall. Yes, but let's let's compare their workout metrics real quick. And and I know you know we don't just look at this guy and say, oh, he's fast, he's good. Brees Hall ran. A 439, 40. Saquon ran a 4.40. Speed score, Brees Hall was 98th percentile. Saquon was 100th. Brees Hall, 94th percentile burst score. Saquon, 97th percentile. So they were, if we're talking just workout metrics, they are extremely similar, like high 90s, like the best of the best when it comes to athletics. And, and I get one of them played in the Big Ten at Penn State, and that would be Saquon Barkley, and the other one played in the Big 12. And But in college, Brees Hall had 5.8 yards per carry, Saquon had 5.7. They both had over a 10% college target share. They were both – Brees Hall had a 44% college dominator. Saquon had a 32. So, like, these are both really, really, really good 
running back prospects, and Brees Hall is 21. He just turned 21. Yeah, I absolutely. So sorry, go ahead. I, I really think he deserves to be a, a top eight dynasty running back and no lower. I understand the comparisons. I see the comparisons, and I don't think any of us are saying that Brees Hall is a bad running back. Heck, we literally have him in our top 12. I personally have him ranked just outside of the top 12. Avery has him at 12, and Simon has him at 8, so it averaged out to 10. I'm fine with that. And I think he's that good of a prospect that that's where he belongs. He is. How many How many rookie running backs come into the NFL without stepping onto the field and can find themselves ranked in the top 10 in dynasty running er, yeah. for yeah, dynasty that's, running backs that's insane why the heck would you rank him over jk dobbins over saquon barkley even over joe mixon and austin eckler who were high-end running back ones this past season age for them maybe but i'm not ranking them over swift Najee, javante cmc dobbins saquon no, yes, I agree with those. No, I agree with that. Not at all. Like this continually, this will probably forever and for always just flabbergast me when it comes to the dynasty community. There is promise in picks. There is promise in prospects. Why the heck would you ever give up or pass up on an elite? proven running back specifically and take Brees Hall over them. And here's my thing. Why? Understand this. That's not me saying Brees Hall was an average prospect. Brees Hall was a good prospect. When I watched Brees Hall's film, this is where I thought he'd jump into the rankings. I absolutely in January would have told you that he's going to jump in at 11 or 12. When I say people got bored, I mean they started putting him at Two, two. Right behind Jonathan yeah, Taylor. I've seen it that's, multiple times. That's getting bored, and that's ludicrous. That's bad. That's ludicrous. You are crazy. Yes. and You're bored. That's what you are. You're bored, and you're making a bold prediction, and you're high on somebody who you want to be high on because they're the best player in a class. Here's the problem. Nothing no, Nothing changed, that, and I should have specified this, nothing changed for him to make that jump from a top 12 dynasty running back to a top 2 dynasty running back. That is a monumental jump. He he is reg- Brees Hall is regularly ranked in the top five, and I do think that the Saquon comparison is apples and oranges, mainly because of the play playing situation. Because you can compare their yeah. numbers and say they're Penn's similar altogether, but but Saquon was the best prospect of all time, and Brees Hall was not close to that. You're right. Yeah. Penn, so, yes. Penn State so, versus Iowa State. And that's I know. I know. Penn State and I, I brought that up. Yes. Yeah. Um, yes, you did. I will just say. We, if we want to talk about you know what player jumps on the field and is immediately ranked that high, whatever, Najee Harris, last June, was ranked as the RB nine, June thirteenth last year, RB nine on Keep Trade Cut. I don't I don't know where right off the top of my head where Brees Hall is. Let me check that. But I'm saying, look where look where Najee is now. He's the RB two. So do we? I think people are kind of catching on that, like, okay, these elite prospects that are going in the the late first, early second round, the NFL teams are taking them there for a reason. So let's get on board early before they became yeah. become a Najee Harris and they are unreachable. But where is Ceh now, and where yes. was he then? And yeah, but he he was moved up just because of his team situation, not because he was an elite pro- prospect and a great athlete. Not to mention better class. Najee also had a year to prove it, and he did prove it. Najee was very yes. productive. Yes, this year but I'm saying with last a very year low in rate. the offseason before he'd stepped on the field, he was still RB nine. 
Yeah, as and, he should and, that's, be. and after he played, he moved yeah. up. And yes. if and if so, Brees were regularly ranked there, fine. So if you're asking me if I am more comfortable with somebody coming in as a top ten running back and then skyrocketing up after they play, or the dynasty community predicting that somebody's already at the top, yes, absolutely they're, give me the proven player every time. Yeah, and there's there's a median. You're right. There's a median. You don't want to get on too early, too high, because then you're gonna there's nowhere to go except for down. Brees, but, Brees Hall's about there. Yes. I agree because I don't think he goes above. Yeah. He's not going above Jonathan Taylor. If you think he's, yeah. if you think he's going above Jonathan Taylor, you're nuts. Well, he's watch. Not. Let's see in a year. I'm it, not saying he, he will. Won't. I'm yeah. not. I'm he not won't. ever. I'm not ranking him there until he does it. He won't. I'll do say it. that he won't. He won't be a number one. He will. He will. I. You can. You know what? Save it. Bookmark it. Do whatever you want and roast yeah. me if I'm wrong. But I'm confident enough to tell you that Brees Hall almost has. He has very little room to go up. He has a ton of room to go down. He is on the Jets. Don't forget yep. it. Yep. He is a good prospect. He played at Iowa State. Don't let that fool you. I like Brees Hall. He's a good prospect. He deserves to be in the top 12. He's, he is definitely going to have a productive year and probably a couple productive years. But to put him up with the likes of some of the better running back prospects we've seen in the last six years is you being bored and you having nothing better to do than get super high on somebody who, in reality, is a good, very good prospect, not an elite prospect yeah and um I, I mean i completely see where you're going but even you know if you want to talk about why would you have him over joe mixon and El, uh, austin eckler right Age. last year yeah yes exactly age. because we see this every year these guys will play a year once you hit a certain age at running back you play a year you can produce and be elite but come off season doesn't matter how good you were your your price tag's going down derrick henry was the rb1 in points per game right Last year, uh, I don't know. And the games he played. Yeah, yeah, yeah points, exactly. yeah, points, points per game. game. But his price tag from in season to now has, I mean, halved, right? So let's look at in June of 2021, CMC was RB1. Right now he's RB6. Dalvin Cook was RB2. Now he's RB10. So, so Nathan, you're, these people, I think the general dynasty community is saying, let me get in on Brees Hall now before, while he's low so that when he leapfrogs these people, because he likely will. Look who leapfrogged. Um, CMC and Dalvin Cook this year. Najee, Swift, JT, Javante. So they're saying, let me get on on these early elite guys before they make that jump. No, you're saying that, and you're smart for doing it. You, but you, but the rest of the dynasty community is not taking the same approach as you are because you're yeah. ranking him at eighth, and they're ranking him in the top four. That's a completely different approach. Yes. So they're they're Your taking it a little bit further than I am. Your exactly. approach is, is more Very aggressive further. than us, but it's at least conservative enough yes. to where he does have room to go up. And it kind of, that's a that's a really valid point because it gets to a point where you're saying, let me get in early. Valid. <laughs> yeah, sorry, it's a good point because <laughs> it, it, they're saying, let me get in early, make, let me get in early while he's cheap. But then they drive his price so high. He's not that cheap he's not anymore. Even cheap than, he's not cheap. Yes. So they're, they're, instead of saying, let me buy him while he's RB10 so that when he's RB3, I, I got him at a discount. They're saying, I'll buy him RB4 so that he goes where? RB1? That's really what you're betting? So I think we all agree here in theory. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just we a little agree. bit more really higher do. on him than No, but you're you're if you're going to be higher on somebody like this, you're not high in the out of like out of the realm of possibilities for me. For me, it's like where I'm at and what I think is correct, plus or minus three or four spots for the aggressive people who are really high on him and the aggressive people who are really low on him. And then all the way to the right, all the way on the end of the spectrum is where everybody else is and ranking him it's ridiculous and I Peaked out the mic there. I'm sorry, but I really get worked up about this one. Let's move on. Uh, going down through like guys like Nick Chubb, Dalvin Cook, Alvin Kamara, Derrick Henry, and even Kenneth Walker. Um, 
we are pretty consensus on these guys. I do think Kenneth Walker. Um, I like Kenneth Walker, honestly. Like, I mean, for as much as much hate as I'll give Brees Hall, it's not even really hate. It's just reality. It's, yeah. I like Kenneth Walker's situation because he's stepping into a Seattle situation um, where, you know, honestly, I, I don't think Rashad Penny stays healthy. Chris Carson, I mean, did you see that thing in his neck? Did you no. See, did you see that no, picture? No, what happened? He's got, like, a plate in his neck. It is oh, gnarly. Oh, for real? Like, screws. Ooh. Everybody's like, yeah, dude, you need to retire. So, I think, you know, in that being a team where when there is a good running back there, I think Pete Carroll has proven that he will give him workhorse carries. And with Kenneth Walker, I think he's a good enough runner. I don't expect him to, to be a PPR back. I don't expect him to catch a ton of passes. I don't expect him to block well. And those obviously can be red flags for a running back like that. However, he is such a good, pure running back that I do think he's going to be able to produce in Seattle some. And, and, and we don't necessarily have him as a buy. Actually, it comes out as a negative one on the scale. Um, but he is somebody that I'm looking at now. And if he jumps up into the top 12 next year, into the to the late like 9 to 12 range, that absolutely would not surprise me. If he has an ultra-productive rookie year, he probably deserves to jump up that high. So not really a buy, I don't think. But somebody maybe you could keep your eye on. He might jump up quite a bit, in, and um, I think he's a I think he's a good prospect. Phenomenal there, so. prospect. He yeah. is so fun to watch. He I love J.K. Dobbins, and watching his film reminded me of that. Like, oh my gosh, no one can touch him. He, he's just shifty. No one can bring him down. It was it's pretty great. I love it. He torched yeah. my Hoosiers. Yeah. Last uh, year. I, what I just can't solve is the enigma of uh, why the heck he broke out going from Wake Forest to Michigan State. His one season at Michigan State, he went crazy. And he played at Wake Forest before that and was garbage. No, he was so, not. He, <laughs> he, dude, he literally, his production was infinitely better at Michigan State than it was at well, Wake Forest. Well, that's not saying a lot, though, because he had a very, very good season at Michigan State. Yeah. And I, but I, I think the answer lies in a couple of things. I think Michigan State, number one, is obviously a way better football program. Yes. Number two, way way more well coached. I think he fit that system better. Uh, and I also think, yeah, you know, I Michi- think Michigan yeah, State system, being in the Big Ten East, you know, and, and, and with the, how the Big Ten's conference alignment is at the moment, yeah. you know, not facing a ton of super good defenses in that in that uh, division. So, I mean, even yeah. def- defenses like IU, unfortunately, yeah. rip. Yeah. It hurts he, to say but it. But he also he literally have had a thousand more yards than he did. In five more in games. This year. Yeah, but he also had... He had more carries, obviously. The truth, the truth lies somewhere. Th- there was nothing special about nineteen and twenty when he played. The truth lies somewhere in between. I, I, don't, I don't think he was as bad as you think on Wake Forest. And yeah, no, I, I'm not even saying I looked into it. I, I was just saying there was something special. It, that, like, obviously, there was something special in him for him to break out like that. I'm just like, wow. I watched like, his, what happened. <laughs> well, he was. Pretty, <laughs> That's all. I, I, was, I just want to know. It's more curiosity than it is doubt. I no, guess. did you watch but, his rookie year film? He was not rookie freshman year. He was still he was he was very good at a, on a pretty you know mediocre Wake Forest team. Wake Forest is good for uh-huh. where they play, but he was averaging almost six yards per carry in 2020 in seven games in the COVID year. Seven games he was averaging almost six yards per carry, and in seven yeah. games had 13 touchdowns. Yeah, and from, then and then last yeah. year you're right he did rushing blow up. yeah rushing yards per from a rushing yards perspective though like it doesn't look good like 500 yards on a college team is is not. It's not that impressive for an elite running back prospect. Yeah, like James Cook. You, you, oh, amen. <laughs> yes. Preach let's it, brother. Go. We're going to get to that at some point. Yeah, let's keep but. moving. Um, so a couple guys that I want to mention real quick. Um, I, I'm not going to mention Josh Jacobs here because this is pre 
Um, really pre-contract situation. I think. I think I can. I'm. I've actually been kind of avoiding Josh Jacobs in startups just a little bit more than I, I was drafting Josh Jacobs a lot, and I'm not drafting him as much now. So that's all I'll say. But a guy that is in the green here heavily is Antonio Gibson. Um, I, here's what I'll say about Antonio Gibson, and we'll make this one short because I don't think there's that much to say. We're ranking him at RB16. I think the Dynasty community has gotten probably a little bit too low on him. While his future is probably not super bright, while he's probably not a long-term solution there, while he has some issues with fumbles and things like that, uh, and while he's not really a PPR back like you'd expect him to be being a former wide receiver, he has produced a fair amount so far, and to assume that he's not going to produce again this year I think is a little bit rich because... He's really in a situation where I think in that offense he's going to fit well and with with Wentz and um, and obviously they don't want Wentz passing the ball that would be horrible. Um, so you know with Gibson I think it's another another season that he probably produces high and we're just writing him off because I think as a, I think we're just kind of bored and we're just like you know what Antonio Gibson he is, he used to be a wide receiver and he kind of sucks. I mean in in reality if you have him on your team he'll probably produce for you this year. So yeah he was an RB one last season. He was RB13 the season before, missing two games. He didn't decline in production at all. Did you expect him to be a top six running back? I guess maybe was that the disappointment? But, like, <laughs> why, why is he a disappointment? I, I, don't, I don't understand what that do, What do you expect from a running back on Washington where he's one of the best weapons on the field outside of Scary Terry who can't really do that much because their quarterback is Heineke? Yeah. Now they have Wentz, so they're actually going to have a bit more of a passing game. You can hate mu- hate Wentz as much as you want, but Wentz, Wentz balled with Pittman this last year. Yeah, He can ball with Scary Terry. He can ball with Dotson. From a fantasy perspective, you may not like him as a player in the NFL, but he's going to do way better, and I promise you, way better than Taylor Heineke is. And when you improve that passing game, you also you also improve the opportunities in the backfield. If you're concerned about Brian Robinson taking away carries from Gibson, okay, it, no, yeah, is that gonna? Antonio Gibson was splitting carries his rookie year, and he was a borderline RB one, and he didn't decline in production last year at all. He's I. I think we have him right where he belongs. Yeah, I think we do too. And like I said, he's, he's a high-end running back too. He's probably a soft buy. Somebody to keep an eye on. Um, Travis Etienne is a guy that we have down below him. And Travis Etienne is somebody who we actually have as a pretty hefty sell here. The problem with Travis Etienne is for some reason people are still valuing him like in the top 10 in terms of running backs. And that's a lot of, keep that's trade a, cut. That's a lot of yeah. risk for a rookie running back, technically a rookie running back, that is coming off of an injury. That's a lot of risk, and it's a foot injury, I think. So, so not a ton of. That's not as much risk, um, but at the same time, I mean, what what are you saying? Nine for? Yeah, he's at RB nine on keep trade cut, cut now. That's surprising. That's a, so, and his value's kind of been a roller coaster. But yeah. again, there's some risk here, and if you can move off of Travis Etienne into a more stable running back asset and get a pick back for it. That's absolutely something I would do. For example, if you're looking at where Travis Etienne is being valued at at, uh, at nine on keep trade cut, and you go up to somebody like Joe Mixon, who is at the t- with the time of these rankings being valued at, at number thirteen, that means if you, if you know if, if the person you're trading with My on goodness. keep trade cut is or if is using keep trade cut in your league, you could use that to your advantage. You could go get Joe Mixon. And a little bit more, even if it's like a third, 
you're getting Joe Mixon and getting paid to move off of Travis Etienne into a surefire running back who's somebody who, if you're a contender, man, you'd love to have him on your team. And that is a, I mean, I think as far as moves for your dynasty team, if you have Etienne and you're contending, go get a proven veteran and, and, and thank me later because honestly, there, there's, a, there's a later. good, there's a good chance. Well, I'm the one that said it. <laughs> Give me a little bit of credit. There's a good chance that ETN produces this year, though. I think I, th- I do think he's a good prospect, and we just it's it spit him out as a hard buy, or I'm mean, sorry, a hard sell. And yeah, I thought it was worth discussing. I think the next guy that's a hard buy. You you think, anything, anything else on anything else on ETN? Sorry. Yeah, I mean, I think with ETN, I'd make a similar argument that I made with Brees Hall. I mean, he's a, he's one of those elite late first rookie running backs. Yeah, maybe the Jags reached on him. Who knows? But he has a lot of receiving upside. Uh, the one, the thing I'll default to here with you, I agree. He's coming off an injury, and um, the the Jags already have a really good running back in James Robinson, who is very good. I mean, he's he's proved it. He is really really good. Are, are you so, flipping ETN for Joe Mixon plus on a contingent? Yes, game? yeah, I'm okay. doing that. So I, think yeah, I think we're in the same. Yes, bro. I just wanted to say I'm, I'm kind of in the same. No, I, I I yeah, I said I like ETN actually. I I I don't know if I own any more shares of him, but at the same time. I kind of like to. I do like his receiving upside a lot. I'm I'm in love with PPR backs. PPR backs are like my favorite type of fantasy football players. I think that's where the money is at. They're so cool. Yeah, that, that's I, why Eckler is so someday. effective and yeah, so right, lethal. Shut up. All right, so um, the next guy I want to mention is Ezekiel Elliott, uh, which I'm kind of glad our model spit him out because it's another guy. I mean, you're talking about he's being valued now from like 24 to 27 range in these in these in these different rankings. You guys do realize he still is getting paid quite a bit from the Dallas Cowboys. It would be kind of stupid of Jerry to just completely not give him the ball at all this season. I think yeah, I th- stupid and Jerry don't really go together. Oh yeah, no, Jerry's never stupid. Nah. Um, I do think Ezekiel Elliott though. I mean, off the top of your head, if you're if you're listening right now, where do you think Ezekiel Elliott finished in PPR leagues last year? Don't. S- oh, where do I think? No, d- I'm not talking the to you. Listeners, yeah. I actually oh, don't know. Sorry, I know. What is it, Nathan? Six. Ezekiel oh Elliott was one running back. He was six literally RB six. And, and do you remember how frustrating? I mean, I was an Ezekiel Elliott owner. You remember how frustrating it was for yes. for me when when he would be splitting carries with Pollard, when Pollard would outscore him. He was still running back six. If you don't think he's going to be at, at least in the top, I don't know, fifteen of of running backs in production this season. Correction, he was RB seven in PPR. That same My point. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, I'll still take him over to Sean Watson, right, Avery? <laughs> Tell the story. So, I got a good old friend named Dandy, and Dandy decided that he didn't like Deshaun Watson at all. And you know what? On, in December. And, and you know what? Honestly, yeah. Oh in, man, how the turntables! I, I know. Ac- wow. Actually, because okay. I, because at the time he said, "I don't." You think just Deshaun's let me tell the story. Again. Sorry, sorry. We're talking over each other. My bad. Goma's gonna be pissed. Go ahead. Um. Anyways, I thought I was I thought I was pulling a fast one because and honestly, I still think I won this trade, but I got Deshaun Watson for Ezekiel Elliott and Christian Kirk because he just did not he just wanted to get rid of Watson. And honestly, from a value perspective, that is so lopsided. Even now, you, we're talking about the guy we have ranked as RB21 and our QB14, that's still lopsided. But at the time when it looked like Deshaun was going to like at least play some like the, these two guys are shaking their heads. They I mean they I told them I was going to offer it and they told me I was stupid and then it went through and I I basically got Sean because yeah, even post this Deshaun stuff we're we're doing we have uh, <laughs> Dynasty Domain leagues which you can sign up for right now on our website DynastyDomain.com. Anyways, we have a startup going on right now. Deshaun Watson 
was a second round pick. Zeke, seventh, and Christian Kirk, 11th. If you know Dynasty Fantasy Football, you know that trading a second round pick for a seventh and 11th is stupid. Hey, some of the guys in our leagues are offering those to us right now, though. They, they want our second round pick for the seventh and 11th. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the domain six guys. Anyways. Um, Oh yeah! By the way, shout out to the guys in Domain Six who just joined this. We opened our sixth Domain League this this week, and so we got some they're new great. guys in the family, and they're pretty cool so yeah, far. This yeah. has been the best draft we've been a part of, really. So, if you're listening, uh, shout out to you guys. But um, again, Zeke Elliott. Um, yeah, I'm still taking Deshaun over Zeke Elliott, but that's that's a, a, a moot point at at this point. I think that he's somebody who could produce again this year and it's kind of just being written off because he is getting he obviously is on this a steady decline but for a contending team if you're snagging him in the late round of like a startup that could be somebody you can flex and he's going to be a solid option um let's hit some of the more obvious ones here it's, uh do can we t- touch on cam Akers a little bit yeah oh gosh let's talk it because he's been a bit of a topic of conversation recently in our um off the books domain discussions. I just, I just am not sure what to think about Cam Akers personally because I do see the case for him being quite good, but at the same time he's on a very, very pass-heavy offense. He's coming off of an injury. He was a decent prospect. Decent. We yeah. have him as a sell. Pass-heavy offense was good because I mean he had a twelve percent tar- target share in college. We saw last year. Remember in one of his games back where he caught like a forty-yard pass down the field True, like but, he can run routes but overall the volume like in the passing game hasn't been there so far in his nfl career he hasn't shown that that's going to translate to the next level yet even when he's been healthy yeah, you're right so that's a concern you're right um you you just said he was a decent prospect and i think if we're worried about his achilles which has historically been a problem great he came back from it really quickly may have even rushed back from it who knows if he was a little bit I mean, when I say underwhelming, he was 85th percentile 40-yard oh. dash, 447, sure. 89th percentile speed score, 66th percentile burst score. So he was still above average in yeah. every in every category. Yeah. But if we are worried about his Achilles declining in, with his athleticism, you know, kind of taking a, a, a notch or a hammer, Maybe. hammer, uh, taking an axe to his athleticism, <laughs> a hammer to a his hammer, athleticism. There it. we go. Um, so we could see those Brain going power. from he's just a Hammer he's a good NFL athlete to uh, ouch yeah and 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 one thing I don't think is fair is, use, is using when he came back last season against Cam Akers I don't think he should have skyrocketed as much when he was making his way back but I also don't think he sh- he maybe should have fallen as much as he did initially when people saw him play I don't think you can really take what you saw on the field in those first couple games back at face value because. I do think it's a better sign that he came back that early than if he wouldn't have come back. But at the same time, I don't really think that you can use that against Cam Akers because he, I still think he's not at full health. He probably still doesn't have his explosion. He's going to have a whole offseason behind him of training and, and getting stronger and finding that athleticism and explosiveness back. Mm-hmm. And honestly, that could make a difference. So there is a possibility, I think, still that Cam Akers could be a solid running back. Yes. I think the problem lies primarily even if he does have that ability still in the offensive system that he is in granted there are not near as many running backs in LA this year and that can help but at the same time you know that the primary beneficiaries in that offense are going to be guys like Cooper Cup and guys like Allen Robinson go ahead Nathan here's the biggest thing going for Cam Akers going into this season 
it didn't matter how bad carry for carry Cam Akers was in the postseason. McVay just kept giving him the ball. And then he fumbled it, and he kept giving him the ball. And then he fumbled it again and almost lost in the game against Tampa, and he kept giving them the ball, or get, kept giving him the ball. It was like Henderson and Michelle in, in the postseason were, they didn't exist. were almost not existent is the better back. They have shown in the postseason who clearly they value the most in that backfield. Michelle's gone. Henderson's still there. Henderson could do something. Maybe he's not going to outproduce Cam Akers. He's not. We have him as a sell on the CRBST. I don't really think I'm going I'm not out sure he is. in hard, no, hardcore selling I, at him. At this point, I think if I have I'm holding Cam Akers, on I'm to him. Holding. Yeah. 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 yeah, I'm not going out to buy him like crazy, but man, the 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 postseason can show you a lot about dynasty value, and we saw it with Leonard Fournette. It's the opposite of Clyde in 2020. Yeah, we they saw refused, it with yeah, they refused to give him the ball when him, he was healthy. Him carries yeah. when he's healthy. Yep. And Cam Akers, they refuse not to give him the ball when he's hurt. Right. That says a lot. Yeah, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm not selling. Cam I will Akers. say. I remember, was it our first episode, Avery, where you yeah. said um, Cam Akers was a big sell? Big sell. When yeah. he came back, he was the RB6 and on that, Keep that Trade That was Cut. when we had that, that episode, right? He's down to point, 16 now. Yeah, I was going to say, when he was the RB6, you're you doing everything you can him. to sell him. But again, yeah. dynasty value fluctuates and changes yeah. so much in the offseason because people get bored. Yeah. you got to be on top of that. When you <laughs> can then, get atrocious value for something like that then do it and people pull up his stats and look and see how bad he was stat for his stat line but then i mean we we all watched the cardinals game they were like several runs like we got big 10 yard runs that that got pulled back from him and and he had like flags and the holding call and like he was he looked really good in that game but his stats looked atrocious he he had it some impressive explosiveness yeah. like it, it was funny we were getting excited about three or four yard runs that he would have here and there just because we couldn't believe that he was walking or it, it <laughs> and really, yeah. running it really is. and pounding through a defensive line like that it just you don't see that every day i, I it, yeah really really, really a sports medicine um rare case there for the come back phenomenon yeah phenomenon and uh yeah if you sold cam Akers when i told you to when he was at rb6 you got quite the return yeah good job and thanks for listening to the show that early because our mic quality wasn't that good but you listened and <laughs> you made a good choice uh so yeah cam Akers. i mean like i said i think he's probably a whole uh, looking down we're gonna go through uh as we get towards the end of this just some of the more obvious ones here uh i don't want to talk about aj dylan i think his ranking's a little skewed right now in ours uh, Michael Carter is a huge buy in our in our algorithm, which I think is hilarious. I think this is partially because his value has fallen so far among the community because people are assuming. I think that just there's just one simple difference here. People are assuming that Brees Hall is going to get all of the carries. We are assuming that Michael Carter is still going to get at least some carries it would be smart we got to remember real football is not dynasty football it is smart for the jets to save Brees hall and not give him as many carries as possible and be able to relieve him with a good back like michael carter michael carter is still a capable back everybody thought that michael carter was going to be the starting back there next year until Brees hall got drafted so while the situation changes i do think that michael carter will still be around and they're still going to utilize him to some extent and that gives him some value we do have him ranked in the 30s so it's not like anything crazy but the fact that he's falling that far 
uh, and other rankings is a little bit crazy in our opinion. I will, I'll push back a little bit though. What role do you think Michael Carter has in the Jets offense now? Most people are saying the passing game. That's a pretty common answer. And, and that's a weak answer. Um, you want to know why? It, it, because of Brees the Hall's targets target he got every game. Tar- blah, 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 blah. And, okay. Okay, fine. Brees Hall did not have a good target share at all. It, it, it's really deceiving because he had two games with a good target share. 23 of his targets came in two games, and that's 23 out of 55 targets. And those were the two games with Mike White. You you mean uh, Michael Carter? I thought you said Brees Hall. Oh, my bad. Michael Carter had 23 of his 55 targets, which apparently is his is his calling card, and that's his role next year. He's going to be the... the the PPR back, he had 23 out of his 55 targets in two games. The rest of the games on the year, he was getting two and three targets. And he wasn't really good with the ball in his hands. So you're saying, okay, targets. Okay, well then what about rushing? 4.1 yards per carry last year? No, 4.3 yards per carry last year. I think Brees Hall is going to be the better rusher. Michael Carter was not really the PPR back. He was not catching that many passes. So I, I think he's going to have a very minimum role, and he will just be there for relief and to take some of the stress off of Brees Hall. Yeah, we'll see. It would, I think it would be stupid for the Jets to do that because, you know, obviously— They wouldn't want to waste a fourth-round pick. You're right. Well, no, I think it would be stupid because, I mean, if you have somebody who is as good of a prospect as Brees Hall, you're not— Why wanting, would you pass up? You're, you're not wanting to, to give him that bell cow workload. So Why not? We do it with JT. A little bit different. Uh, he's not as bell cow as a lot of bell cow running backs are, though. And we also have Naheem Hines, whose usage is going to go up this season. Also, I would say um, Michael Carter, I think all of us agree. Obviously, his upside has been pretty much cut in half because of Brees Hall entering the equation. I do see a scenario, and I don't think it's outside the realm of possibilities that um, we see a sort of Tevin Coleman-like upside when it comes to Michael Carter. Tevin Coleman played with um, Freeman um, in Atlanta when, when Freeman was in his prime. Yeah, They, as a duo, were absolutely incredible. And the clear, clear, clear alpha running back on that team was Freeman. Was Freeman. But Tevin Coleman... Dude, he would just come there, come in there, and would light it up. And from a fantasy perspective, during those three years, he was he was an RB two, RB two. He was a low end RB two. I think that is the upside for the rest of Michael Carter's career on the Jets, which can be incredibly valuable. Tevin Coleman in his prime playing with Freeman could win you games and he was absolutely a flexible option. I think Michael Carter, if you get him, especially as late as you can get him now, that is, that's a heck of a value pick when it comes to what he is capable of doing as your last flex option. Like I I would be personally right now, I'd be pretty comfortable with that. Yeah. And and you make the Jonathan Taylor point, which is a fine point, but, but what are the Colts talking about this off season? And you giving know, Naheem Hines the ball. What are the Steelers talking about with Najee Harris? Decreasing his workload. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. People with these top with these top and true elite running backs are trying to move at least in the direction to where they're not getting every single carry. They're not getting an absurd amount of carries, but they are giving them some 
at least rest or relief to extend their life a little bit. Uh, I think you're I think you're right. And and I'm not arguing that Michael Carter hasn't fallen too far because he was drafted in this startup that we just did as the 145th player. That is too he far. He will not be the 145th scoring player in Dynasty and as young as he is, why unless you're old, you don't really have a reason to go that low if you're finishing higher than that. You know, you understand what I'm saying, you follow? Yep. He went after Ramondre after Chase Edmonds, after Tyler Algier, and some other backs that we we could easily see him finishing in front of. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So I understand. I agree with what you're saying in theory. Yeah. And also, I mean, ranking wise, it, our our composite ranking. What is it? Thirty first. I have him ranked thirtieth. Avery has him thirty second. Simon has him thirty fourth. We're all within two to four points of each other. Like it, it doesn't. Yep, it's pretty minimal at the and, end of the and day. The problem is between us. The so problem is his ADP has fallen like into the forties. So yeah, um, let's we're getting in a pretty long episode range here. So let's wrap this up. Um, we're only at an hour, man. Come on. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure people aren't going to want to listen to us. <laughs> yeah, we can wrap no, it up. The, yeah, the subs but, are um, getting and because this is going to take a while. Pretty bad. Let's talk about James Cook. Yes. Oh, we should have put this at the beginning, man. At JCJ, here, here I come for you. Yeah, we don't care that James Cook is Dalvin Cook's brother. Sorry, I'm sorry if that hurt your feelings. I'm sorry if you thought this was a safe space and the Dalvin Cook comment just made you cry. But nobody cares. James Cook isn't Dalvin Cook. Do you do understand that, right? He's not even as good of a prospect as Dalvin. Not even close. James Cook was a decent college running back. Literally, people are so high on James Cook because he went to Buffalo. Why is Buffalo such a good landing spot? I cover this in one of my shorts. Josh Allen has one of the lowest checkdown rates in the league. Devin Singletary was at least semi-productive last year. Actually, he was productive last year for a Bills running back. You think he's going Dude, away? He he was he was you an really, RB two. You really think that they're not going to split carries? James Cook is going. Oh man, running back in some early twenties at this point. And he's going to be splitting carries with Devin Singletary. He's going to be not probably getting a ton of targets out of the backfield. They're not going to run the ball a whole lot. I mean, it's the same situation as somebody like a team like the Rams, the Bills. I mean, Josh Allen has literally, he has said, he has quoted saying he is not going to check the ball down. He's like, I'm not going to, he's like, I'm not going to be captain check down. He literally said that word for word. I'm not going to be captain check down. I'm going to push the ball past the third down six. And I'm going to be aggressive with it. And he does. And that's what makes Josh Allen extremely good. And honestly, the other part that people aren't talking about as much is Josh Allen is more likely to take off and run with the ball than he is to check down to a running back. And the Bills are not going to be a run-first team. And if they are, at best, he's splitting carries. With all of this considered, I mean, realistically, where does James Cook even finish as a running back in PPR leagues this year? Like, what range does James Cook even finish in? <laughs> not give you're usually more level-headed on this than me i would say not rb2 maybe that's not level i think he'll me. be a high-end rb3 yep not rb2 and you're seeing him go definitely at, not an rb1 at the 105 good in some drafts. gravy i mean i mean he's going consistently in the first round of these rookie drafts but he's being drafted you're talking about an rb3 and honestly i mean 
does the situation unless Devin Singletary leaves and they and they don't have a committee backfield, which is possible, but I don't think it, I wouldn't go as far as saying it's likely at this point. I do think if Devin Singletary leaves, they're more likely to just keep doing committee with that offense. Yeah, I think the is draw of James Cook, Cook is that James he's getting Cook. yes is that he's getting opportunities on a high powered offense. Those opportunities are inherently worth more than someone like Damian Pierce. Sure in Houston, who's not going to be scoring as much, who has a worse O-line. So why does that not still apply to Singletary? Yeah, I understand. I mean, James Cook is younger. He's new. He's fresh. But but Devin Singletary is just as good as James Cook. I mean, to, to, to say that James Cook is this elite running back prospect that's coming in and then... No, they, he's not. And they were just... If, if Buffalo was going to draft anybody, they probably could have drafted a better prospect and then there would have maybe been some substance to this argument. James they took him in the second round, though. Okay, the, the, now, okay barely. The, the, okay, barely. can I say something about that? Yeah. Literally, the draft capital argument is garbage. He went at the 231. You know where Singletary went in 2019? The 310. Yeah. No, Literally it, 11 picks they, apart. Where'd Zach Moss go? Draft capital-wise, their value basically the no, same. No, I'm for real. Where'd Zach Moss go? Because if know. you're talking about Bills with their running back draft capital, I'm curious, curious to see. Okay, know. I'll pull them up right now. It doesn't seem like the Bills brought James Cook in to be their feature running back. No, the, I, he almost certainly they almost certainly did not. Zach Moss went at the three twenty two. Why would the Bills have not drafted somebody earlier than him if they really wanted a feature back? Did they have a pick earlier in the draft? Did they have a pick at the I can't yeah, remember. but they got some good picks early on, and rightfully so because running back was not their team need. Again, Devin Singletary. Look back at his game log last year. Look at his receiving and rushing production. He had a solid year. For you to say that he is just going to go away this year because of the presence of James Cook, who is an average at best NFL running back, average at best. I will not go any further than that. I'm serious. I've looked into it. His college dominator rating was astronomically low, almost outlier level low compared to guys even like Rashad White. I'm taking Rashad White at value all day right now over James Cook. You're talking about somebody who like really could make a difference in PPR formats because Tom Brady is actually good at checking the ball down, and he's paired with a running back that was getting almost all of the targets and carries in Leonard Fournette, who is aging, and Rashad White could easily step into that role. I don't think Lenny has been that PPR back that they want him to be. I'm taking Rashad White. All day at cost. And, and and my problem, again, with James Cook is that he is being inflated because of the landing spot. He was going in consistently in the mid-third in rookie drafts before the NFL draft. The mid-third. So that tells you what you need to know about how people viewed him, how people valued him as a raw prospect coming into the NFL. For us to inflate him two full rounds, two full rookie rounds into a first-round pick. Picks are very valuable in Dynasty Leagues. For us to inflate his value to full first-round picks because he got drafted by the Buffalo Bills to to be a running back for the Buffalo Bills in Josh Allen's offense? Pass. Yeah, uh, pass. Hard pass. Pass literally. They're going to pass the ball, and it's not going to be to James Cook. <laughs> I, I think, I I'll think take Gabe Davis we've seen before this, I take James Cook. I've said this. We've seen this before. We, we, we saw the, the inflating the the running back prospects because of their landing spot. We all know who it was. Clyde and Edwards. And, and Clyde Edwards-Alaire is 
is and was a better prospect than James Cook and is and was a better running back than James Cook. Clyde Edwards-Alaire, the difference is when he's on the field and he's actually getting opportunity, he is producing. He is a talented player. James Cook is not. Talented enough to get in the NFL, granted. Talented enough to be drafted at the end of the second round, granted. But I'm talking in relative terms. If you're comparing him against other rookie running backs, I don't see any. I don't see anything special for me to take him over Rashad White. Yeah, and I mean, you're the one who wrote an article on this. So, if anyone wants the actual numbers, Avery has the article and the numbers and in-depth writing on this on our locals page. And so. and my problem, you know, writing this short is there were so there were literally so many statistics to support this one i had to like yeah, yeah you're right you can literally like, stop you myself. can literally read his attitude in the article it's pretty funny look at <laughs> look up james cook on player profiler and you'll be pretty underwhelmed it is and, and i get it he was and oh yeah he was splitting the backfield at georgia with samir white so what it's not like samir white is an elite prospect that georgia team that that georgia team you would say you would you would say yes okay Georgia, the Georgia team was defensive heavy. The, the Georgia team was defensive. The Georgia, heavy. the defense won the championship. The Georgian there. defense won nice the championship. And the quarterback wasn't even great. There was plenty of opportunity for James Cook to be ultra productive at Georgia, and he still wasn't. He still wasn't. Yes, Zamir White was a lot more. I mean, if you look, they were I'll both take there Zemir three White years. over James Cook. Bingo at cost. Yes, absolutely. Zamir White was there three years and pretty much doubled his production every single year was a five-star recruit coming out of college. And really, I think the only reason we don't view him as that, uh, yeah, coming out of high school, um, is because he tore both of his ACLs. Well, ACLs aren't a big deal. I mean, they're not as big a deal as as they they were once. But that's a valid point. At the same time, and they were they were at the very least like splitting carries and splitting targets at Georgia. I mean, there's no reason that James Cook, if he really was that talented of a back, could not have been a dominant college back, and he still wasn't. Yeah, you're right. There's there's not. I mean, honestly, you're not going to change my mind on this. Yeah, I don't think you're going to change. And, and JC, you know, you know that Zamir White's better. <laughs> <laughs> he is. We want to talk about a good a, a good athlete, Zamir White. I mean. Zamir White was in Buffalo. I'd say okay, because he's actually good at rushing. Yeah. My problem, my 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 one my one picky thing with the Debbie guys though is that is that since they study these young prospects so closely and they follow them all the way through the process, I think you tend to get attached to them. And as somebody who really you know paid attention to James Cook starting this year and formed an opinion on him like everybody else. I, I don't see I don't you're see attached to not liking him case well. in point <laughs> Justin Ross so it's many like me people, and Jalen Hurts absolutely with Justin Ross I, t- I 100% yeah. agree with you so many people are just cannot get over him because yeah. he was that guy yeah yeah um, and I think it says a lot that he wasn't drafted but but I will say the one thing James Cook has going for him again is the second round in quotation marks draft capital that's the 230 231 I think um, but you know obviously they, they didn't draft him not to do anything there so he will have a role the problem is where he's being dra- that's not that he's being drafted he absolutely deserves to be rostered and he could probably be flexed it's where he's being drafted you are way overpaying for that there's your dynasty domain two cents of the week and we're probably going to end on that because we've we've got a long episode how long is it uh i can't it doesn't give me the time oh man i'm pretty time. sure we stopped or, or we started just a little bit before 10 so so we're probably about an hour 15 yeah i think maybe we're, an hour we're 20 well to the hour yeah yeah so um thanks for listening this far guys yeah if you got it this far i mean well yeah, done. We, I hope we, were we had a blast with you yeah we did and um 
all these we tools, the rankings you. that we're talking about. Oh, Nathan. <laughs> what do you say? No, I don't just, repeat I it. Okay, made yep. a joke. All right, sh- oh, shush, I'm plugging out product. Aware. All the all the things we're talking about here, the CRBST and the rankings that we put out, it can be found on our locals page. It can be found on our website, uh, dynastydomain.com. Um, it's not super expensive. We think we do a good job at it. We think we actually use our brains when we do this instead of just, you know, blindly talking. Copy, paste, keep, trade, cut. Correct. So uh, if you think it's worth it, uh, go check that out. If you like the show, give us a like. But... Anyways, thanks for listening, and thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week. This has been Dynasty Domain.